0: Hi, it's Karen, and before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to get a copy of my book. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more, or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. Here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. Now, if you like this episode or others, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Roberta Lombardi, founder and president of Infinite Strength. Roberta helps underserved and underinsured women through the costly process of cancer treatment and is here today to not only share her story, but the story of so many others who are dealing with one hardship on top of another and another and another. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Roberta Lombardi. As the founder and president of Infinite Strength, Roberta helps underserved and underinsured women through the costly process of cancer treatment. Through this nonprofit, she offers them hope and motivation to keep fighting, even though the obstacles go way beyond treatment. Roberta is incredible. After her own cancer diagnosis in 2016, This eye-opening experience wasn't about making her life better. She made it about truly helping others who didn't have access to the resources that she did. And then she did something about it. Through the past few years, she has positively impacted hundreds of moms and families. And today she's here to share some of those stories and help us all understand what we can do to help. Thank you so much, Roberta, for being here today.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, you have got such a great story. And and frankly, I love the fact that you made this. It's not about you. You looked around as you were in your own cancer treatments and looked around and saw all the good that you had, but that others might not. So I would love for you to share with our listeners, a little bit about your story and how you saw it differently than others
1: might. Sure. You know, when I was diagnosed, I I found my own lump through a breast self-exam, which I had always done monthly. And I knew immediately something was different. And when it was confirmed, you know, although I had had many people in my family with breast cancer and other cancers, and honestly, they all had passed from them, Um, I, I was terrified, but on some level, I also knew, okay, you're going to get through this. You're going to, you're going to just put your head down. You're going to go through treatment. You're going to do what you have to do. And from the very first time that I set foot in the hospital, I was instantly made aware of how different my scenario was from a lot of the women that were around me in the infusion center.
0: All right. Tell me about that. Like how or tell us, because a lot of people here, especially now with with COVID or going through COVID, you can't have other people there for support. So what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So that was one of the first things I noticed. You know, when I was going through treatment, my husband came every week for the infusion with me. There were so many women alone. They had nobody to sit with them. And on top of that, you know, as you're, you have the thin drape that separates you from the woman in the next chair, but I mean, there's no sound barrier, right? Right, right. So you can hear the conversations they're having. So if their physician, their oncologist was talking to them, even, even low voices, you would hear what they were saying. And here I was, I had access to all the treatment I needed. I could afford things that were not covered by insurance, even down to the type of wig, right? That I was going to wear when I lost my hair. I mean, it wasn't an issue for me. And these women were trying to figure out, well, I I don't know how I'm going to get through this because I'm the only one working and we can't live without my paycheck or I'm raising my child by myself. There is nobody else. It's those types of conversations that I was hearing. And and you know what? No matter how awful I felt that day, or what was going through my head, and you know, you do know as the chemo starts to take effect, it does kind of mess with you mentally, to say the least.
0: Right,
1: right. No matter how depressed I was, I would leave there thinking, Wow, I I am still so grateful right? Because no matter how bad my bad day was, it wasn't as bad as their bad day. Because I wasn't faced with those kinds of decisions. And quite honestly, nobody should be, whether you continue treatment or you put food on the table, you know, that's just crazy. Nobody should make that decision. So it was, you know, it was always there in my mind as I went through treatment. And then one day I was standing in the kitchen at the sink and my husband had gotten the mail and he opened up our insurance bill and you know how they tell you what your treatment had cost. Yes, right. right. <laughs> and he, he said, $80,000 that last round. He was honey. And that's one round. One yeah, round. Goes, yes. And he said, how do people that don't have the financial wherewithal afford to be sick? And I remember it just like it was yesterday. And that was the moment the light bulb went off. Wow. And I didn't, you know, I was still in treatment. I didn't do anything about it, obviously, then and there. And I, I got out of treatment and I was very, very um, disoriented, I think is the word. Because as I say all the time, nobody tells you that getting out of treatment is almost harder to, it's, it's harder to move on from treatment than actually be in treatment. In a lot right. of ways, because it changes you. And while everybody around you is so thrilled, because oh, yay, you got your last chemo, it's over. It is far from over. Right. It is far from over because you're changed, you're changed mentally, emotionally, physically, and you got to figure out where your place is. And I was really struggling. And so I finished treatment at the at the holidays, this like December 1st of 2017, right in there. And By February, I was really still, I was just like, not, not well, I just felt sad, I felt depressed. And I thought something was wrong with me. Because why wasn't I happier? Why wasn't I feeling more energetic? Why wasn't I? But at that same time, I realized that I needed to try to get out of my own head, I needed to stop worrying about recurrence. Because you always have that, right, living in the back of your mind. But I wasn't—I I, that wasn't going to help me try to move on. So I—I I just thought, you know what? What can I do to to try to take my mind off me? Because I need to stop thinking about me. And you know, my background—I used to be a corporate event planner. That's what I did for years. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm gonna—I can have an event. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it started out that I was just going to have a fundraiser like a black tie gala and I was going to give the money to Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale and it just took off from there because once I, I had a meeting with Smilo it was like oh well you should do this and you should do that and, and before you know it I was on my way to being a nonprofit. <sighs> and you know what it's 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 because of the women i've met since and the experiences you know that i've had but that also i've witnessed them having that infinite strength has evolved to where it is today
0: so can you tell us about how you have i know it's in your heart you can hear it about how you want to help women and families that are underserved Can you talk to us about how you've done that with Infinite Strength and maybe share the stories so that the listeners can understand? I mean, I think we all understand that these are people, but once you start actually telling their stories, it becomes so much more real.
1: Yes, I I couldn't agree more. So I, I started out forming Infinite Strength with the mission of helping underserved, underinsured women with breast cancer. And that was how we spent the first full year, year and a half. And then it it didn't matter if you were early stage or you were stage four, if you needed our help financially, we would help you pay your rent, your grocery bills, your utilities, your car, whatever it was. But in 2019, Something happened that just to this day, it is imprinted on my brain and in my heart. It was November and I had brought up to my oncologist, I want infinite strength to start implementing kind of like a, a holiday wish program. Because Karen, when I was going through it, my daughters were 10, 13, and 14. And I know what having to tell them did to me. And I know what my diagnosis did to them. I know how seeing me lose my hair affected them. I know how seeing me not feel well affected them. And I know how scary it is. And yet I had a support system, right? I had a husband. I had family. I had close friends with me. They were supported. They were loved. Many of the women I was meeting didn't have any of that. And so the further I got into it, the more I saw The need to not just help the mom, but to help the family. So I again approached my oncologist and I said, How do we help make some wishes for the holidays? How do we help give people some joy? And so there was a patient that had expressed that they could use help and they were willing to talk to me. So I called this lovely woman up her name was Sharon and I said you know we want to help you what can we do for you and she immediately started to cry and she said oh my goodness I I can't believe you're saying this to me Sharon was stage four and she had five children two were older three were exactly the ages of my children at the time Uh and she had been living out of her car and when I had finally made contact with her, she had just gotten uh, a subsidy for a small apartment. And she said, can I call you back? Because honestly, I, I'm so emotional right now. I need to kind of compose myself. Absolutely. When she called me back, she said, could you help me give my kids Christmas? I don't have anything. And I said, oh, my God, I, w- I would be honored to help give your kids Christmas. Can you tell me a little bit about them? And how would you feel about asking them to write a Christmas list? And you can tell them, you know, whatever you want. They're writing it to Santa or I mean, I don't care how you you know, but just make sure I get the list. Well, she sent me their list, <laughs> these little handwritten notes <laughs> and. I mean, so she had two girls, and the difference between us, okay, they were the same ages, but I have all three girls. She had two girls, and her youngest was a little boy. And, you know, they all had different things on their list, clothes and sweaters and games and toys and whatever. But one thing they all had in common, they all wished that their mother had her own bed because she was in a very tiny apartment, and she let them have the bed, and she slept on the floor. So I knew what her situation was, and I knew that she was going to be going back into the hospital. So I was lucky that she, you know, she signed an agreement that we could confer with her physician, whatever. And so I knew, I knew a lot of the story. And I also knew that her kids were getting their meals at school. You know, there was just a lot of need there, a lot. So. I talked to a friend of mine and I got back to her and I said, in addition to giving your kids a Christmas, would it be okay if we paid you a visit? We'll deliver the presents. And, you know, I would love it if you would let us give you guys like a little photo shoot, a little Christmas memory where we take pictures of you with all your children. And she started to cry. And she's like, oh, my God, that would be amazing. So my friends came with me. And on that day, we went. They were all dressed in the exact same color red. And I mean the exact same <laughs> shade of red. And God bless her. It was cold. And, you know, here's my friend, Amy, who is taking the pictures. Can we do it outside? Let's do some Because it's a very tiny apartment. Very tiny. And they had one love seat for all of them to sit on. That was the only furniture. And so she was trying to make space, right? So she was thinking if we could do it outside on the stoop or something. And and Sharon was really cold. She was shivering. She had a long walk up to get up and down. So we we made do with the areas we had. But at one point, they're all trying to arrange themselves on this love seat. <laughs> And they're like falling into each other and they're laughing. And I mean, they were genuinely like the kids were cracking up and she looked at me and she goes, I don't remember the last time we laughed this much. And we did their photo shoot and I brought them. I mean, again, I didn't know what they would want. Right. So we brought them presents and I got them a bunch of stuff on their list. But then then for her, you know, I wanted to make her life easier So we did, I did hams and bagels and cream cheese. I mean, I brought enough. She could have fed the neighborhood, but I wanted them to have food, juice, milk, bread, eggs, you know, you name it. And I wanted some stuff that they could maybe make like a holiday meal out of. In addition, we did gift cards to them for groceries, for restaurants, for whatever I could think of gas cards, whatever I could think of, they could possibly make use of. And when I went into the, to the kitchen, and, and I'm a cook, right? I love to cook. It's very therapeutic for me. So I notice kind of things in people's kitchen. There was not anything to tell me that any food was anywhere in that kitchen. There was not a coffee pot, a toaster, not a dish, not a plate, nothing. And the oven still had like the little tag. You know how when an apartment's freshly... Done. They put on like a little tag saying it's been cleaned and whatever. Yeah, still on. And that's when the kids told me that, you know, they got most of their meals at school. And so it was a beautiful, when I say beautiful, like to see that family, it was a beautiful moment for me to witness these kids with their mother, especially her youngest, her son. He, He looked at her with such love and he kept like rubbing her back and, and hugging her. And you could tell he felt like he needed to take, like that was, they were almost like caregivers for kids, right? Versus kids.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And I, I go to leave. She was totally worn out and I go to leave and I gave her a hug and all the kids hugged me and her little boy threw himself in my arms and he was crying. And he was, thank you so much. Thank you for everything you did. And when that door closed behind me, I lost it. And I went home. I still remember him. And I went home. And my husband was waiting for me. And I just, I couldn't get it together, Karen. I couldn't I can't get it together right now. <laughs> and I am not like, I'm a doer, right? I'm always doing something. I couldn't, I couldn't. My kids were like, oh no. And and, and you have to understand my kids are kind of like, they want to put that behind them. So what I do kind of makes it hard for them to put cancer behind them. But at the same time, I try to tell them like, we're very lucky and you need to know that. So I was explaining to them what had transpired that morning. I will tell you that that night I got a text from Sharon and she said, I will never forget what you did for us. That was the last time I talked to her. We were able to give her children a full on photo album of all the pictures with their mom. And she was in the hospital at the time. And that was, that was when we lost touch because obviously the hospital can't tell me anymore. And I've spent the last couple of years trying to track these kids down because I did not know what was going to happen to them. It really bothered me. But from that experience, okay, I, I a couple of weeks went by and I still was like just not, couldn't get it out of my mind. It was just sad. And I thought there has to be more. There has to be more we can do. And that's when this idea kind of came to me that, you know what, we need to every woman that needs our help needs to be able to get our help. But with metastatic breast cancer, stage four, this the the treatment costs are enormous the emotional and I, and I know you know but i mean what these women are going through emotionally right and their children and that's when i said okay what can we do so we started an initiative you know recurring funding for metastatic breast cancer patients so not only do we give money monthly to women with metastatic breast cancer that need help paying their bills. This we, We've turned around and we've become strictly a nonprofit for underserved single moms. So that is our niche. And we're the only one in Connecticut, I don't even think there's one in New England um, that has that niche, but, but it's needed because what happened is I looked back on past information that I had for grantees. And that was the majority of women we were helping to begin with. Single moms.
0: Well, and to your point earlier, single moms that are underserved have, I would assume that there's a huge challenge there anyway, right? And then you throw in the complexities of cancer or any disease, frankly, any illness, and there's so much that goes through with that, what you're doing is such a gift and such a need because we all need the help when we're going through hardship. Hardship but you need it even more when you're the sole supporter and you've got the weight of the world outside of your cancer on your shoulders. And so as you were telling that whole story, I'm sitting here crying, crying, like pressing mute. So (laughs) my, my tears and my sniffles don't take over. What you're doing is so beautiful and I, and life changing, I hope And hopefully long life changing because metastatic breast cancer in itself is a beast and not Mm -hmm. everybody has the outcome that we want with it. Right.
1: Right. And going back to something you said a minute ago, most of the women we help, they, they have not had the opportunities that a lot of us have had. Their whole life's kind of been a struggle, you know, for various things and They're already kind of fighting their way through this world and then they get hit with this diagnosis. And that's, you know, they're walking up mountains all the time. And so I always kind of think of it as I don't want them walking up that mountain alone. I want them to know there's somebody with them. And if that means, you know, prior to COVID, I could go sit with them during during an infusion, I went. You know, whatever I could do to help beyond. And I think that's what makes Infinite Strength different. We're not just about the financial piece of it because it's so much more than that. It's just so much more than that.
0: So will you share in terms of the emotional side of things, are there any stories that you can tell about these women and, how the extra holding of the hand or the, the quote unquote, being there, but in a different way has been helpful.
1: So about a year and a half ago, I got an email from a woman who said to me, I don't know if you can help me, but I'm about ready to get evicted. And she, I I will say you right now, she does not live in Connecticut. She does not live in New England. She lived in Washington. She said, I'm about to get evicted. It was winter. I have a son. I'm on my own. And I really, I need help. And I've exhausted the help that I can get here. And I know that you don't usually help people in the D.C. area. You know, I read your website, but I really need help. Nobody understands that I can't work. She sent me her resume, a list of all the jobs she's ever held. She gave me every name you could think of for me to like check her references. Like she wanted me to know I'm not trying to just beat the system. I genuinely need help and I don't know where to turn. So I asked my board, you know, and I, I always have that system of checks and balances, right? You talk to the social workers, you talk to the doctors, you, and anybody that I talked to, they all said, no, she is genuine. Like she, she really needs the help. So we helped her during COVID. She came back to me and she said, my son has to be homeschooled as everybody else does. I don't have the money for school supplies. We don't have a computer. I have to get him to graduate high school. He's a young black boy living in inner city, D.C. I can't have him fall through the cracks. And she was beside herself because where was she going to turn? She was alone. She didn't have anybody else that could help her. And as we all know, stress is one of the worst things you can go through, right? I mean, stress is bad for your body anyway, but let alone when you're in the throes of cancer. And so we bought her son a computer. And she, to this day, keeps in touch with me. She'll text me. Her son graduated in (gasps) June. He got his high school diploma. (laughs) And she said to me, nobody has ever cared about me and my son the way you have that's what she said wow she said you're in my heart forever like you're you're family to me and do you know she sent me a mother's day card oh. this year yeah yeah wow so that's the emotional piece of it right yeah, you're right. kind yeah. of taking those emotional br- you know your kids happiness i don't care what we're going through right, right. If our kids are happy that. Than our, than really in our world, what more could we ask? And she didn't have that. Wow,
0: and and the fact that, and how strong that she is to seek out the help to ask for it when she's going through such a hard time with the disease, let alone with just life, and then to make this happen for her son—that's pretty incredible in, itso- in mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So you're you have so many stories. About <laughs> that are in, so inspirational, and I'm crying through this whole episode. <laughs> that's it's just beautiful. I know there's a lot of listeners out there that, you know, they're they're not in your shoes. They may not have the capacity to start a nonprofit to serve the way you're serving, both the emotional piece and the financial piece. What do you recommend to people who want to help but don't know where to begin? And, you know, and plus as a cancer survivor yourself, you know, the inner workings of the hospital system or the the corporations, what can people do to help some of these women throughout the country or throughout the world that really need it?
1: I think there's so much you can do, right? So beyond the financial piece, um, you can do something as small as, okay, the sense of community, between breast cancer survivors, thrivers, metavivers, right? We, we might not know each other, but we're all rooting for each other, right? And, and we may never meet, but we're talking via text or over social media and we're supporting each other and everybody's victory is a victory for all of us, right? And right. so one of the things that I have found that is life-changing for women is to find your community. And sometimes that's really hard to do. And so I am a huge advocate for Wildfire Breast Cancer magazine. Yep. And so one of the things we do, okay, is we buy the magazines, every issue, and I distribute them to the hospitals in the hopes that when these women are sitting in the infusion room, that they at least can read other stories, right? Others who are like them. And it helps them to understand, oh, I'm not alone in what I'm thinking. And so even if it's something like going to your local hospital and saying, hey, if I, you know, even just a few magazines, right, would you put them in your infusion center to help other women not feel so alone? I've sent these magazines to people that live across the country that say, I don't, I don't know how to find my sense of community. You know, I just, I don't know who to talk to. I feel like something's wrong with me. I send them wildfire and they write back, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I found my people and it kind of opens the door. So that's one kind of way that you can help. Obviously, with COVID, it's a little hard to go offer your services, to be in the hospital, to right. sit with people that right. can't have and you, know, you can't do that right now. But you can volunteer. You know what? So many nonprofits right now, because they weren't able to hold events and they maybe still aren't comfortable holding events, they could use the help in just spreading the word. And every donation makes a difference, Right. So if you are working and you do get to go to your office, have a dress down day for for your favorite charity, whoever that may be, um, for your hospital, for whatever the case is for you and make a difference that way. You know what I say for for early stagers like myself who are so fortunate, right? I think one of the greatest gifts we can do is advocate for stage four for research, for for recognition of what that disease is. And I may be getting a little off topic, but it's so important for the fact that people don't know what metastatic breast cancer is. When I give talks, so many people in the room don't know. And I'm kind of like, what do you mean you don't know? You've never heard of it? Well, no, because it's the least talked about you know better than anyone what I'm trying to say. And so I feel like if you're in this space and you were lucky enough to come through this and you're, and you want to give back, maybe become an advocate, you know, that doesn't cost money. It just requires you to talk to people, to educate.
0: Well, and I agree with that. I think that there's time and there's money and, there's all sorts of little efforts that one can do, whether it's a little bit of money or a little bit of time that can bring a authentic smile and joy to somebody's face. Mm -hmm. And it's just identifying what is it that you can give. And, you know, for me, there's ways I want to give, and then there's ways I want my family too. And so that's something I think people can think about too, especially when you were t- sharing the story in the in, earlier on about during the holiday season, like that hits a chord for so many people. Mm-hmm. And for those that are underserved, it may hit even more of a, cur- a, a, a chord. So what is it that you, if you're sitting there listening to this right now and wondering, I don't know what to do. Maybe there's something that you and your family can brainstorm doing together. Uh, with a local organization in your community about whether it's raising funds or creating beautiful paper mache It's not paper mache like those flowers that they make, whatever it might be, doing something sweet that you can give to others to bring a little bit of joy to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just even if you know somebody in your community that is going through something, and it doesn't have to be cancer, but whatever it is that is their hardship here's what I did during COVID. You know, so many people were struggling with loneliness, right? And then uh, for me, I know COVID kind of brought along that sense of helplessness, like when I was diagnosed, that helplessness that I, what can I do? I can't change this. So I knew that there were so many people that just needed a smile. So I, I, you know, I have a garden and I had flowers and I would cut flowers and I would leave them on people's doorsteps and I wouldn't sign my name. I would just say, hope this gives you a reason to smile today. I mean, and that can, that can lift somebody up or, you know, bring cookies or whatever the case may be, just something little.
0: Can I tell you, I did the same thing when it came (laughs) to, because I, I like you. I know it sounds silly that something so small, it's not life changing, but if somebody has a bad day or mm-hmm. a bad few weeks or months to walk into their apartment or home or wherever it might be and see hand flowers there with a, I didn't sign it either. I put a smiley face and, you know, thinking of you and writing something nice, it really could make a difference in somebody's life. And it's small sure and it can. doesn't cost any money. It just takes a little bit of time. That I love that. We're so yeah. connected on so many different levels.
1: <laughs> you know, I had a friend that did little, um, of course, now I don't know the name of it, but the, I think it's the Japanese like watercolor, right, on paper. Yeah. She would do that as like a craft at home. And then she tied ribbon around the pieces of paper and she just left it at people's door with a little note. <sighs> Again, it's whatever your thing is, right? I mean,
0: right. That's you're just
1: sharing a little bit of you with somebody and it just lets people know there's people out there that care. Again, it's all about giving somebody hope. That's how I feel.
0: It it is all about giving somebody hope. For some of the stories that we were talking about at the beginning, they need a lot. However, any little bit helps. So if you're hearing this and you're feeling inspired, I encourage you to, to take a little bit of time and think about, what kind of difference that you have the time or the resources to make. And Roberta, I am so grateful for you being here today to share these stories and to share the work that you're doing with Infinite Strength. I will definitely put all the information in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can check in, check out Infinite Strength. You can donate if you've got the resources to do so and as well as some of the information that we've talked about too because i i think it's really meaningful but before that we um that we sign off from today i would really love for you to play what i call the grateful game it is something that i've done with every episode to date on this podcast where We talk about what we're grateful for and why. And this is something that my son and I created a few years ago as a way to kind of uh, talk about the positive things that happened in our day and hopefully fall asleep reeling off of those good vibes. So I will start to kick it off and I'll tell you for what I'm grateful for today and why. Well, as we record this, I am still in radiation treatment. And so I do want to say, and while I always feel like I am so grateful for my health, my health isn't always happy with me, right? And I will say, though, that I am so grateful for the medical community, for having the tools, and for my husband's insurance that is able to help cover that. I am I am grateful that I am sleeping okay with it all. I'm very tired because of it, but I am sleeping okay. And then I guess this is third or four in my minute of time to tell you I am – so grateful for, let me see, uh, the smoothie that I'm drinking right now. I love Daily Harvest, and I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast know that um, I'm a huge supporter of their Harvest Balls, their smoothies, and I found a new uh, flavor that I've been loving, the banana, carrot, walnut, sweet potato, cinnamon, nutmeg, one, carrot, and cinnamon. So I will, um, I will toss it to you. What are you grateful for today and why?
1: Okay, so the first thing I'm grateful for, and I got a call last night from my daughter who is 19 and in college and she is vaccinated and she has COVID. She had just left for college Sorry. Uh, last week, right? I just took her. But I'm grateful today for the vaccination, for the fact that we had researchers and physicians that came together and found a way to get us that vaccine because my daughter would be high risk and so while she's not feeling good she is symptomatic you know what she's she's got that vaccine and I can't tell you the comfort that gives me because I can't be with her right right, right. (laughs) so that's a huge thing for me um, today and you know I think What's been happening for me more and more is that every day I have woken up and thought about the little things that I am grateful for because it is just the little things. I got to start out my day having coffee with a friend that I don't get to see very often, and I was very grateful for that. It just made me happy. And you know, it's those little things because life's busy. Because of the situation in the world right now, we can't take anything for granted. We never should. But just to be able to sit over coffee and connect with somebody was just such a treat for me. And I just, that started my day, like, just on such a wonderful note.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. I love to close out our podcast with this because I, I too, believe that even the little things in life, if we touch upon that we're grateful for. If we try and feel it, it may actually, is it going to cure my stage four breast cancer? No, it's not going to do that. But it might make my day turn in another direction, a better direction. And so I encourage you, everybody out there, to take a moment or a few to think about what you're grateful for and why and feel that goodness and try and take a small step towards more happiness, more joy, maybe even bettering your health. Because that's what I want to do is I want to show people that even though we all go through hardship, there is a way to find a little bit of happiness. There is a way to find joy during whatever journey we're going on in life. So thank you, Roberta, for being here today, sharing your story and the stories of others. I will include all your information in the show notes. So thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to take a moment to ask you to consider taking action. Whether it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month or just another day of the year, those touched by cancer live it every day and rely on research to come up with better treatments and support from organizations like Roberta's to help them get through it. Please consider donating to either Roberta's Foundation, Infinite Strength, or the Cancer Couch Foundation a nonprofit also near and dear to my heart. Links to these charities are in the podcast show notes as well as on prettywellness.com. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.